Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. This week we are at... What the hell are we at? Episode number 190... Uh, um, 190... I think it's 197. Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher is an artist who has done tons of custom band artwork and merch and t-shirts and gig posters and uh really awesome stuff really cool guy too he's got a podcast also called the anyway whatever podcast at anyway whatever podcast.com and we're doing a another crossover episode to help promote each other's podcasts so um it's you know it's kind of like uh we're interviewing each other and it's just a really great conversation really fun and um I enjoyed it a lot, so I think you'll like it. Anyway, um, so that will be coming in a moment. Uh, What's been going on here? I always blank out when it comes to this part of the podcast. I always forget what's been going on. Uh, Been exhausted. That's one thing. Got really tired. Worked myself to exhaustion. Had to not do much for a few days. Because I couldn't, and uh, now I'm feeling better. But uh, I got a new um, arm for my for my uh, a mounting arm for my camera because my camera for my live streaming that I do on on my own Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/Chetzar for my live streams and um, time lapses. I've got this long arm; it's great, but it's kind of too bouncy for me because I keep bumping it and then it bounces and it's hard to steady. So I got a new arm that's really solid that won't move a bit. So that's kind of exciting. Um, Oh, I know I, uh, became a Trekel pro team member. Now you've probably heard me talk about Trekel many times. They're the brushes I use. They make, they uh, make paint brushes, really great, paintbrushes and I get my panels, my uh, aluminum panels and wood panels. And that's trekel.com. Yeah, I'm uh, a big fan of their brushes. I've been using them for years. I always talk about them. I always recommend them. So I thought I should apply to be on the pro team. And so I got on the pro team. So that's kind of cool. So that happened. Um... What else happened? Got my arm for my camera. That's pretty much it. Just playing catch up, the usual. Um, trying to get a, a commission work done and got a bunch of stuff done for the book. So I'm waiting for the next iteration of that. That should be exciting. It's got to be at least, it's got to be more than halfway done at this point, I think, the dystopia book. Anyway, okay, so, uh, yeah, let's read the new members of the Dark Art Society. Uh, If you want to join and support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety for just a dollar. Some people pledge more. You could pledge a dollar a month, and you get in the private Facebook group, which is awesome. I got to tell you, everybody loves it that's in there. 
Uh, so here are the new subscribers. Let's see. Where do we leave? We left off at Jacob Thaxton. David King. Um, Daniel Palti. Thank you, Daniel. Gavin Eveland or Eveland. Thank you, Gavin. David King. Thanks for joining. And Joe Vox. That's pretty cool. Joe Vox is an old colleague of mine from the Capro fine art beginning days. He's really great. I love his artwork. He's kind of like uh, uh, Hieronymus Bosch with a cartoony edge. I love his style. And I talked to him about coming on the podcast, and, and he said he would come on. So he's going to be probably on the podcast soon. Uh, he's also works, he's like a, I think, producer for Family Guy. That's his main gig. Pretty amazing. Um, he's friends with Mark Koval, works with Mark, who has been on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Um, yeah, so thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Anyway, what else is going on? I guess, you know, if I can't think of anything, then I probably should just end the intro and just start it because then I'm just yakking. Oh, I know. Here's one more thing. I um, started uh, populating my YouTube channel more. So I do have some of the samples of um, some of the time lapses that I put on my uh, Patreon. I'm trying to get people from YouTube to join my Patreon. So I'm making some of the content public so people can see what, what I have in store on Patreon. So, uh, it's just Chet Czar on YouTube and I've got a bunch of painting videos and, um, time lapses and stuff like that. And I'm going to be and, uh, all the, I, I just posted all the, all of the tool or almost all, all the ones that I, that I, um, filmed time lapses of all the doodles I did on the tool posters. It's like three hours worth of footage. It's kind of crazy. Three hours of time lapses, yeah, like eight over eight videos. Um, anyway, there's a playlist on there. So I guess that's it. We should just get on with this uh, Mike Fisher interview. And uh, I guess, am I forgetting something? I can't remember anything anymore. I got too much. I'm trying to do too much all the time. I'm trying to fix that, but anyway, okay. Okay, here we go. I hope you uh, enjoy the episode. Uh, okay, here it is. All right. Cool. Okay, um, so you're, you're recording the whole thing. So as long yep. as you, even if it's not stereo, whatever, it doesn't really matter to me. So it's it, normally it, it got, sounds good. I've got them pants slightly to each side but you know I, I did one time i had to do the only way i could get uh derek hess on was to do a phone interview so i had to get like this crappy software from my cell phone and then it was like oh, you know no. one track and it sounded all tinny but you know i don't, I don't care i mean it's, i me. owe derek hess like a lot a lot yeah. a lot it, it back in the time when gigposters.com was active uh, uh he he came on there and me and him developed like a little bit of like a rapport and then when he stopped doing rock posters you know he did all that shit for the gore theater in in ohio 
Mm -hmm. And then he just had his manager, Marty, like, he's like, well, just start giving all that shit to Fisher. And I was like, what the fuck? And so (laughs) he like gifted me his gig posters gig. Um, And then that didn't really, it didn't last too long, but Marty saw that like I was super reliable and that my work Uh, was cool. And he started hooking me up with all the merch companies. And that's how I become a t-shirt designer. It's like Marty hit Derek's, it it was like, I, I don't have... I don't have the last 15 years of my career without Frank Kozik and Derek Kess. You ever talked sure. to him? You ever talked to, to Derek Kess anymore? I haven't. I, I haven't. Uh, he seems like a super recluse. I mean, especially after interviewing him, he was like, basically, yeah. I was like, thanks for taking the time. He's like, yeah, I'm just sitting here watching TV anyway. <laughs> that's amazing. I still talk to Marty, his manager, all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, speaking of that, even, um, and as far as I'm concerned, we can be, we can be. Re- going with the episode right now <laughs> yeah yeah whenever you i'm i'm good whenever um, you are uh and, and also as it pertains to to derek and marty was that uh the grammy museum here in los angeles did a golden gods of heavy metal exhibit and uh like the woman who put it together was marty's intern and so like i just got a call one day and she's like oh marty jeremita was like said that you do these cool heavy metal like rock posters and i'm doing this exhibit and like you know all the posters that are on the wall next to me that you can kind of see those were Mm -hmm. all hanging in the grammy museum thanks to marty and eric and like you know that was one of those moments where i was like with my mom i was my mom was like a museum like <laughs> this all led you to being in not a gallery, right. but a museum. And I was all, yeah. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I take back everything I said about <laughs> you sitting around drawing skulls and monsters when you were a kid and how nobody would ever care. <laughs> hey, it just goes to show, man. It goes to show how important connections and networking is. And it also goes to show, show how important just like sticking with it. Yeah, I mean, you got to do you got to do what's inside of you, you know, like, you know, and and I think that's like an important thing is like I never people ask me, you know, like, how did you you know, like you've been doing this for like 35 years, like how did how did you get where you are? And I'm like, I never gave up on it. Like when I was 15 and I started my first band, so I would have a band to make art for because that's all I wanted to do was like make (laughs) art for punk rock bands. I did. I mean, like I had a plan and like I never gave up on it. Like um, I've told this story on my show before, but, um, what I would do in the San Francisco Bay Area is some is like a band would be coming through Seven Seconds or Aggression or one of the mm-hmm. big hardcore bands of like the mid eighties. I would I got like a speedball screen printing kit and I would make like bootleg t-shirts of the band. I would sell them out in front to get enough money to get in. And then I'd go around, find where the bands were out back, and I would just give them the rest and be like, ah, sell these for your own. And so wow. I developed relationships with bands. And I learned how to be a professional artist when I was like 15 years old. Yeah. Um, It shows initiative. You know, you got to have that initiative. Got to be willing to do. That's what I, what I always say in my podcast. It's like, I was willing to do whatever it took. You know, it was like failure was not an option. So I was going to do all the uncomfortable things I didn't want to do, like learn to talk to people and, and uh, go to shows and network and and business stuff. It's like, you know, you can do it if you're willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, not killing people, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> but 
know, <laughs> all the other uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've heard you talk a little bit on your podcast before about how like you definitely, you were like, I had to like make myself go out to shows. Like, and I, and yeah. I feel like you kind of even have said before that you still have to kind of make yourself go out to shows sometimes. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, thing, I, man, I don't know. It, it's not so bad now. I mean, I, I, I've kind of gotten past that part of, of myself that was, you know, uncomfortable in crowds. It's like, I'm not, it's not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not comfortable in crowds, but I'm not uncomfortable. Like I used to be in crowds and especially at shows. It's like, everybody knows me now. It's like, you know, it's, it's where the only social life I have other than the podcast pretty much. So it must, um, it, yeah, it must've been a weird year for you that with, with, with the, the coronavirus stuff to not be able to have any shows where you could like yeah. actually go out and be around people. It was like, it was, you know, <laughs> it's like, I hate, I hate, are we recording? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I hate saying it cause it sounds so callous, but for me it was like, ah, oh, I don't have to worry about going anywhere. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, you know, going out. Cause it's like, Every time I go to a show, it's like once I get there, I'm like, oh, this is fun. Or at the end of the night, I'm mm -hmm. glad I went. I'm glad I went. Mm -hmm. That was fun, enjoyable. But it's so hard to get me out the door. It's just like every time, no matter what, how great the show is, I'm just like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go. I'm such a I'm just such a homebody. I really am like totally comfortable being at home with my wife and just chilling in the studio. You know, that's. A hundred percent. I identify I with that exact feeling. It's like, <laughs> even, even for me, like for, for years, like I started playing ice hockey when I was like seven years old and I, I, I was a goalie like for over 40 years. And <clears throat> a year ago, almost exactly. I blew out my knee, which is the first knee injury I ever had, which is crazy in 40 years. Um, and then I was like, I wasn't able to play. And then the coronavirus thing happened. And then and then there was no way to play. And so mm -hmm. like I had a whole year off and it's the first time in my life where I was like, that was my social interaction. It was like, right. you know, I would go out and I'd play hockey once a week It put me in a room with other people where I yeah. had to socialize, but I didn't even want to get up and do that. Like every week I was like, <laughs> Oh, I don't want to go. Like, I don't it's like want to It's like this. exercise. You have to make yourself do it. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, you have to make yourself have interactions with people and be social. It's like, it's good for your mental health. Like I won't go to yeah. shows if my wife doesn't go with me. Like I can't, yeah. I can't go to like an art show or a, or like a live show without my wife going with me. Uh, just for that same reason, it's like, uh, like I'm, I, I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to go do this. <laughs> and then when I get there, I'm always like, oh, I'm so glad I came and did this. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm having fun and oh look, there's people I know here. I'm having fun. Right, like, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, you know, sitting around working on something because that's yeah, like the yeah. thing that happens and, and it's a common thread with other artists that I have on this show is it's like you know we tend to be the kind of people who always work like mm -hmm. you know like even if I'm not working my my brain is working on something you know oh, yeah like and if I lived a hundred lifetimes I couldn't get all the projects that are in my mind done oh, all definitely. the things I want to do with my life I I it, like I would start over and be a chef and then I would start over and I would be just a painter. And then I'd right. start over and I would, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. I'd be an actor or a stand-up comic or some other fucking thing. And it's like, you know, that shows in what you do. I mean, you do, you do so many different things. I mean, you're, 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 you're like a jack of all trades type of guy for sure. 
Well, I tra- at some point I realized that I was going to trade in having uh, like a one name notoriety, you know, as an artist, you know, like a Kozik or a right. Warhol or what, you know what I mean? Like by trying to do as many things as I could to, to keep paying all my bills. Right. I, you know, like I said, I was like, I was in video games for like 15 years as an art director and that's how I mm. afforded to raise my family. Uh, but I always just wanted to make my own art on the side, like rock art. I always did like the rock posters and merch design and stuff on and album covers on the side. That well, was that's like, like my me and makeup cover. effects. That's like me and makeup effects. Same thing. We have a lot of parallels. Yeah. In our lives, <laughs> um, but then at some point when I, when my kids were, you know, when all my kids were old enough that I did not, have to completely support like you know an entire family's worth of income Mm -hmm. i I quit the games industry and i was like okay you're going to focus on being a painter um because that's what i would really like to do Mm -hmm. but i realized pretty quickly that i wasn't good enough at it to sell paintings for enough money to make it my entire living Mm -hmm. and so i had to like triple down on all the other things i did and try to stay away from having a day job by doing as many things as I could so far it's worked. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, 10 years with no, (laughs) with no real job. Yeah. I mean, that's the best, but I mean, that, that's a good example of doing what it takes, you know, maybe you wanted it a little more this way where you wanted to be a painter and, uh, but it's like, you know, I see a path this way. It's not as, it's not, you know, totally what I wanted, but I want to not have a day job and I want to be making art for my living. So I'm going to do that. It's just like, you know, I want it. I want to just be a painter that paints and the gallery deals with everything else. And I just sit and paint. And it's like, <laughs> that's not the, that's not, I could never afford to do it. I couldn't afford to make a living just selling originals. So I had to get into the print business and merchandising mm-hmm. just, you know, you know all about that. So it's like, I didn't want to do that. And you know, it's not really the way I enjoy spending my time. I try and, uh, I try and enjoy that marketing of it. I try, I do, I, you know, I make do and I'm like, okay, I can try and have fun with making little flyers to post online and, and uh, you know, analyzing my sales to some degree and (laughs) stuff like that. But it's like, I don't want to do that shit, but you know, it's what it takes. So I do it. How long were you in effects before you were able to kind of get out of that show? You know, I always say a different number, but I started, (laughs) I graduated high school in 85. Mm -hmm. I, took like a year where I didn't do anything. I was just a bum. And then I got a job, but I did like little side things. So even in 85, I worked on a movie, like helping this friend of mine, my brother's friend who was in college, Jim Bunky, who I've had on my show. I helped him work on a movie called Nomads. This really weird, low budget horror movie. And um, so, I mean, 85 and then I got out, I left. Okay. Now I have to look it up. I can't, I don't know why I can't remember it. Okay. The last movie I worked at where I was full time was land of the lost remake. Oh, wow. And that was, I think 2010. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. 2009. So what is eight? Let's say 86 to 2009. That's 86. It's like 13 years. Is that, yeah. No, it's Wait, longer 80, than that. 80, 86. No. 96, 2006, 2016 would be, 
<laughs> Clearly, we are we are true artists, and we have no math skills. A long time, a long time. <laughs> Both of our gears are sitting here, just like grinding. Smoke but even, but out. you know, even after I got out, I was still I would freelance. You know, sure. I do some sculpting here and there. I worked on, I think, Hansel and Gretel, that movie Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, your sculptures are fantastic, dude. Uh, thanks. Yeah, that's what I was doing most of the time in effects. So, mm-hmm. you know, compared to oil painting, sculpting is just like, it's so easy. I mean, it's like, you know, when you do something 40 hours a week, you know, one thing over and over 40 hours a week for 15 years or whatever, it's just like, you know, sec- becomes second nature. So oil painting is is fun because it's 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 still challenging whereas sculpture is like i know how i can't i i I never look at a sculpture and like how could they do that it's like Mm. i know how they do that i know how to do it it's you know it might be tedious or whatever a pain in the ass but it's like i can i can do it oil painting i look at oil paintings i'm like how did they do that (laughs) you know because it's still it's so it's it's a lot more difficult i guess because i i didn't start painting until i was like 33 so but oh, I was wow. sculpting in high school, you know. That's crazy that you started painting so late. Yeah, <laughs> how I know good your paintings are. <laughs> well, you know, it's like I, I, I thank you, but I, I was drawing since I was little. That was always my thing. I'm mm-hmm. sure you were the same way. Just mm-hmm. always drawing, always drawing. And then, um, as I, you know, drawing was always there throughout my effects uh, career. My whole life, really, that was always there. So I was always trying to get better at drawing. And, you know, in effects, I would also, uh, I learned, I would do designs for creatures, you know, and sometimes I would paint them. And then I got into Photoshop and then I would paint in Photoshop. So I was mm-hmm. always developing those basically painting skills without actually painting. And I would do like, you know, I'm sure you did this too in high school. You'd do like, I'm going to try oil paints out. And you do like, you know, so you get like here and there, you get little, uh, opportunities to get a feel for the media and, and stuff. So, you know, it wasn't like I didn't have any background and then I started painting, you know, <laughs> it was like, I did have a yeah. background. I just wasn't an oil painter. Yeah. I mean, I, just being know. able to sculpt something three-dimensional will give you an understanding of how to Holy man. bring shapes out of something. And so it probably, there was a lot of huge. crossover skill there. <clears throat> huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And also, you know, like, you know, I, I didn't go to art school, so there wasn't anatomy study. Yeah, neither did but, I. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was working on faces every day or heads and there was body casts and there was, you know, mm-hmm. anatomy charts everywhere. So it's like I had this education in pretty much all of the traditional, uh, traditional fine art skills other than like composition, maybe. Um, a few things here and there that didn't apply to makeup effects, but everything else like color theory and, and um, uh, uh, you know, form and blah, blah, balance and this and that was all, I had like this amazing education, like a 15 year education <laughs> in a way, you know? Yeah. That's the job awesome. I have, I have a, a few friends who are in effects. I mean, if you're in Los Angeles, you get friends that are in all parts of the industry over the course of time, but I'm actually had a, one of my friends, Caleb Schneider, who's. Oh, I know effect. Caleb. I worked yeah, with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Caleb was He's a great bass player. He's a great yeah. bass player. Oof. I'm working on, I did the last cover for bad acid trip, uh, his, his main band. And I'm, gonna start working on the new cover for the next record we were supposed to start it like right when covid happened and, and then you know kind of that slowed down but um i have like a 
a custom resin molded figure. Um, it's like a, you know, it's like the eye of Providence, but mm-hmm. instead oh, yeah. of the inside is it. like, it's like skull. Um, Caleb's, Caleb sculpted and molded those for me um, oh, cool. in the first batch. And then they went to Kozik at Happy Plastics and he published like a full like run of those through his Kozik Happy Plastics stuff. Um, but yeah, Caleb's working on the next version because we did the triangle and then we did one that was a coffin that had like like kind of an elongated skull face in it. So and cool. Now Great we're idea. working on the third one of those pieces right now. I think Caleb's, I think he's literally working on it right now. Actually. Oh, wow. Tell him um, I said hi when you see him. I will do. I will do. He might be the nicest person I know. I know he's a lot so of nice. really nice people, but Caleb, he's super my, nice. My he's wife nice. loves that guy. She's like, oh man, like you have a lot of really cool, nice friends, but I swear to God, <laughs> that Caleb, he is so nice. <laughs> well, you know, this is something I talk about on the, on my podcast a lot is how, um, well, maybe maybe I haven't talked about it in a while. I just talked about it in a in a written interview I did um, for a blog. How the how the people that are into monsters and dark art are like so much nicer than regular people. <laughs> you know, it's like they're the nicest people for the most part. The, you know, that seems to be my experience. It's the same thing with the death metal people. Like right. all yep. of my friends who are in like major death metal bands are the funniest, nicest people <laughs> in my friend group. Like without Hilarious. without question and it's I like know. you know the band that i was in was made up of of a bunch of guys who were in death metal bands who wanted to be in a punk who wanted to do a punk project and so you know we we were we would play with death metal bands all the time and we'd tour and we'd you know and like everywhere you went it was like mm, you know obviously i knew a bunch of people before but like if you if i went someplace where like a scene i didn't know like pittsburgh and it's like i don't know what the people in pittsburgh are like right it's the <laughs> nicest people ever like <laughs> like and i kind of noticed that about punk rock when i was a kid where i was like yeah i was like oh these people look intimidating and then i got around and i was like oh they're just like nice normal people yeah yeah if anything they're they're uh, i don't know nicer than nicer than average um yeah i mean the, the my big letdown about punk rock though was that uh <laughs> was that it ended up being the same kind of bullshit society that I was trying to get away from. Oh like yeah. Every shit. It's like, Oh, you don't have doc Martens. Mm, every real, know? every <laughs> real punk feels that way. You know what I mean? That's yeah, like, that, totally. that was, uh, that's what uh, Mike Watt, Mike Watt, uh, has, has said that often that, you know, it's like the whole back. And I've heard other, a lot of other bands from back in the day say that, you know, it was like, the punk scene was not about sounding a certain way. It was like about having your own sound and sounding totally different and still being able to do it and your own look and everything. And then it just became like, like everything that gets co-opted. It became like a uniform. And uh, I mean, but really before it got co-opted, it did, um, it got kind of militant and it got like, where it's all one sound. And, you know, it's like what's considered, what a lot of people think of as punk rock. Now the sound like a hardcore punk sound is like, one part of what came out of punk, you know, you listen to what Mike Watt stuff. Now it's like, I don't even know how to categorize it. It's so different than anything. You know? Well, the Minutemen, his, his band from the eighties, they didn't sound like any other, no. there was no other punk band that sounded like them. And, it, and one of the things about the Minutemen for me was like, um, <clears throat> you know, when you're young and you're, you know, when you get into something, uh, you, it, it's really easy to be myopic about it. Like, Oh, I only want it to be this one thing. Right, and it's like, right. <clears throat> you know, my first bands were like 
circle jerks, black flag, dead Kennedys. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it wasn't super fast and sounding in that yeah. same way. I was like, eh, this isn't for me. And so there was a bunch of bands that I skipped for a long time. And right. Minutemen were one of those bands where I was like, no, this isn't speaking to me at all. Yeah. Um, but they were always in the same on the same bill as all the other bands I yep. always wanted to see, and they were always. And now, as as a as I grew older and was able to like, broaden my horizons and listen to the Minutemen, uh, I was like, God damn it! They were like they were on some <laughs> totally different wavelength uh, yeah, than and, everybody and else. But then they were in the same scene and. Yeah, I know. It was a totally. lot of those SST bands were like that, just like like. Uh, um, yeah, well, Greg Ginn is such a weird dude. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you know, me. Yeah, right. But you know, me puppets and and mm -hmm. Minuteman and Black Flag and uh, Husker Du, and it's like you know, everyone had their their. I mean, that's the way it should be. Everyone has their own thing. You know, right? Agreed. Agreed. I totally and even agree. the Dead Kennedys. You know, that's the band. That was the band that got me into punk rock. Is the Dead yeah. Kennedys? It was and because I remember punk rock in the 70s when I was a little kid and the older kids in the neighborhood, there was a couple of like smart kids that were into punk. And I remember being a little kid being like, that's dumb. That's <laughs> stupid. You know, it's like, it, you know, it was just like it seems so I didn't get it, you know, so I kind well, of you're influenced by other people. And at the time, there was a big backlash against disco and punk. Right, like, right. Rock and roll radio was like, we don't want anything to do with yep, any of this. Yeah. Well, yeah. And my older brother was like a rock guy, 70s rock guitar guy, guitar player and, and, and all that. So I was like, I was getting the influence from him, even though he got me into Devo in the 70s, which was kind that of cool. That was my entry point. Oh, Devo. really? Devo was my entry point. I saw Devo on Saturday Night Live because my parents. Yeah, me too. I saw that. that was I, I wouldn't say my parents were liberal, but they definitely had a bunch of, they were very liberal with um, like my intake of, you know, like we, I was around, allowed to read any book I wanted. Oh, um, cool. And like my, they didn't really have a bedtime for me because they knew I was the type of kid who'd go to bed when I was tired. Right. Um, and so I stayed up. You know, when I was like in the 70s, when I was, you know, because I was born in 69. So I turned 10 in 1980. And so even like through like between like 77 and 80, like I stayed up and watched Creature Feature, double features like every Friday night. And I watched Saturday Night Live yeah. every Saturday. Yeah. Um, same here. And I remember that deep Devo episode. And I was like, wow, this is like super interesting like yeah, yeah. you know Same. like even as a kid you're like yeah this it 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 it, it grabbed you it really was like made it you was stop so and much look. weirder than anything yeah. else that was, oh, was going on yeah if you think about the time period you know what was happening they were like they're still weird you know you look back at those old videos and they're still weird but back then it was like really weird uh i remember seeing somehow i saw on like uh what was that show I don't know if it was Midnight Special or Don Kirshner's Rock Concert or something. And, and they did a live set on there. I think it was, I don't know. I think it's Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I know it's what you're talking about, but yeah. But they did a live set and then they would play their videos, all these other videos that you didn't, that they, that you'd never seen before. It wasn't and, on MTV yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, it completely changed everything for me i started like trying to make movies like super eight films and you know based on their little videos because I, mm -hmm. I just like I, for some reason i was like i want to make stuff like that it's so cool completely made me a lifelong fan
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am too. And, and then the other, the, the, and right around the same time, a little bit after that, I started listening to the Dr. Demento show. Oh like, yeah, me too. Yeah. And so yeah. there was a lot of like punky and new wavy yep. stuff on there that you couldn't, you, you would never hear anybody anywhere else. Um, and so then that like fed into the same, yeah, the same thing. And like, I could, I knew like, I was super into Bon Scott ACDC. Yeah, me and too. In my mind, I was like, there's not a huge difference here. Right. Like, I could, like, it wasn't that far off from that stuff. And then the, and then the very end was when I saw Fear on Saturday Night Live. And I was like, that's it. Right. This is, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, if this is what they, what punk rock is, then I, this is what I'm going to do with myself. And I so, just yeah. started trying to find ways to, find more punk rock <laughs> yeah you sounds like you got into it earlier than i did because i got into devo and i was like devo's not punk rock punk rock is stupid <laughs> yeah like i just you know i didn't like i said i didn't get it and when i got it i was like it was like you know when i got into punk it changed the kind of person i was like i would felt like you know i had that i had this moment where it's like i i my style changed i became like who I was supposed to be kind of. Mm -hmm. And it's like in high school, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, style wise, I wasn't really comfortable. I never really knew how I was supposed to look. And once I got into punk, it's like, Oh, I found my identity. This totally resonates with me. But in high school, I was into like, uh, what was it? My three favorite bands were Devo, ACDC and Rush. Those are my three favorite bands. Those are totally bands. <laughs> so I was into eclectic stuff. I just was like, I was super like snobby and picky. It's mm. just, I don't know. I, I was just an asshole like that. But, but, but I, but I like, uh, I, you know, I started with rock, regular rock and roll, but then I was like, I wanted something more. So I got into Prague. Mm, I tried to mm -hmm. get into Prague and most of the Prague <laughs> bands I couldn't get into, but I got into like, yes. And I got into rush. I'm just, I love rush. I, still I, really I do too. I love rush too. They're a great band. So it's like, I was, I was looking for that different thing and, I, but I just wouldn't let punk in because it seemed like, you know, Prague was like, okay, these guys are playing really difficult stuff. So yeah, it's, so it's like I can the respect height of musicianship. Right. Right. And punk is like, we don't yeah. want to have anything to <laughs> yeah. do with something. It's like the difference between like a Mercedes Benz, and a, and a rat rod, like a right. rat rod is take everything off that is not going to make it go faster. Right. <laughs> and let's do this. And then, you know, Mercedes is like, we want it to be luxurious. Right. <laughs> All the little bells and whistles. <laughs> um, I will say one thing, uh, uh, one thing that I know about you from our online, you know, connection is uh, you saying that you, that Devo and rush and acdc were like your three bands mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense why you love no means no so much yeah they are kind of exactly that all That's those true. Bands I, ne I never thought of that <laughs> that's so true i don't uh, think anybody's ever put those three together and said that's kind of no means no like that's like funny they play weird music like devo they yeah are, they play fast loud music like acdc yeah. and they are masters of their instruments like yeah Rush, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean it to me they are always like punk rush <clears throat> i mean yeah you know uh but but they even you know you never even i've never heard any i've never heard any of the guys from no means no talk about rush at all so it's like i know it's like a no-no if you're a punk rocker to be into rush but actually you know 
the my punk friend Christian from high school that got me into punk. He was always into Rush. He was always, but he was, you know, open minded in that well, way. Their lyrics you know? are super punk. Oh, totally. All their totally. lyrics are about individualism. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're just and, and and they're smart. You know, it's like yeah. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I I I I, I got into them early and I never uh, never got out of them. Yeah, they're one of those bands that uh, they were never in my sphere. And then I would hear them sometimes and I'd be like, God damn, this band is good. And then I would have friends who like worship them. And right. I, and so I, I was exposed. And I, every time I have to this very day that I hear No Means No, I'm like, oh, my God, these guys can play. They're like, to me, they're kind of I'm not making a, a sound comparison, but musicianship wise they remind me of kind of like bad brains who were like mm-hmm. insanely skilled musicians right. uh but no means no like bad brains kind of stripped it out of what they were doing they were mm-hmm. just so good they could play faster than everybody yeah, else yeah. Really, really good. <laughs> but no means no's music's like super it's complex it's super complex music yeah. and, and i do i need to spend more time with them i need to go down a hole with with no means oh no. you so you um, so do you so do it's because so, i know it's i know yeah. my love for them is there i just need to I need yeah to yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i could i could say the same thing about bad brains it's like i know uh i'm not a super yeah. huge bad brains fan to 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 be honest. i mean there's I a lot them, of but i don't love, yeah, them, love them yeah there's a lot of bands like that that i just wasn't listening at the right time it's like you kind of have to listen at the right time to really get Absolutely. them into you you have to be a certain age and like get into it for that lifelong commitment but you know it's like you know i know they're a great band i've seen the hr documentary and it's like you know hr stated one, one i think my guy i was at a band with in pedro one time stayed at his house you know it's like during a tour or something so it's like uh I don't know. It's it's like it was part of the the scene. I just never, um, you know, I never bought an album. <clears throat> right. I don't. I think I maybe had a cassette or two that I inherited. I don't know if I ever spent money. Oh, that's not true. There was a couple records in the in the late '80s, like Quickness, that I definitely paid money for. Mm. <laughs> that I, uh, for sure. That's they, good. When they that's started good. getting a little more metal, I like was like, yeah, this this shit's killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But the Bad Brains are, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, obviously they're legendary band. They're fantastic. They're amazing. And I love they're amazing. Them. But and, it's like, you know, without them, I, I didn't get, I wouldn't have had Minor Threat. And, and right. that's my favorite hardcore band for sure. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that was that one of the, that was another one of the first. It was like Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat and uh, Circle Jerks. These are all bands that my friend Christian, like, made a cassette tape for me. He made, mm, and he wrote, exactly. So cool. He made this compilation just for me. And then he wrote, all the lyrics out on this big piece of paper that folded up so you could fold it up like it was a poster sized paper. Mm. And then he wrote the name of the band and then he wrote little like notes about them. Like he got minor thread. I remember he's like, truly the black sheep of punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did the lyrics for the song. It was, and it's like, that's how I learned about punk. And, and that's how I was like, Oh, I get it now. You know? Yeah. For me, it was almost identical where like um, the, uh, I was, I was, a pretty good goalie and ice hockey. So I would, every other season I would That's play. another reason you should like no means snow. Cause they're Canadian. They have a band <laughs> called second band called the handsome brothers, which does. Uh, I, I'm, I did not know those were related rock, and I'm yeah. totally know the handsome brothers. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, and so I would play up a division with kids older than me, like every other season. Um, and so one season, the, my goalie partner, who was like two years older than me, he was, would be your age. Mm-hmm. He was like 
totally into like all those bands and like you know he came from a decent family and he could buy whatever he wanted so he had all the records and all the tapes like of all the big hardcore bands mm -hmm. and I, and i was like you know i remember talking to him being like oh yeah like i like 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 that band fear i saw them on on saturday night live i loved it, it was so cool um because the 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 night that i saw fear on saturday night live i was actually at a hockey sleepover with all the guy kids from my team mm -hmm. and it was like on halloween so it was like a halloween thing and i remember yeah. like that that fear came on and they were all like ew this sucks like and they wanted to turn it and i was just like laser <laughs> focus. i was about? like no 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 this is the greatest <laughs> thing i've ever seen in my life um <laughs> And See, then, I was one of the kids. I was one of the kids that would have been like, "Oh, this sucks. Change the channel because I wasn't there yet. <laughs> uh, and so like, you know, a year or two later when I was on when I was on my team with my friend Greg um, and he was like, oh, he's like, that's all I listen to is like punk rock. I'll make you a cassette. And so he made me a cassette of like it was uh, one side was Dead Kennedys in God We Trust. The other uh, side was um uh wild in the streets circle jerks and then he made another one that was black flag damaged and then i think i think in the in the most random of randoms the other side of that was judas priest screaming for vengeance <laughs> <laughs> which i liked judas priest at the time and i actually random random that they come up but i was listening to judas priest before it came out here to there you go. <laughs> I, I love i love it um but yeah i spent a lot of time not liking heavy metal in the 80s when you know when punk rock and heavy metal hadn't quite mm -hmm. become friends yet yeah um, yeah i never and, quite uh, it was nice for me to go back to being able to like heavy metal, you know, <laughs> that's the cool thing about getting older is you, you just, it's like, fuck all that. Well, the crossover thing yeah. happened too. Right. Where you got, you got Metallica showed up and then it was like, Oh, like we can like Slayer, Venom, Metallica and Iron Maiden. Right. Like those are all punks cleared <laughs> heavy metal right. bands. And then it just kept growing from there that it was like, Oh, then we added Metallica, you know, we it's funny added, though. Like, it's like, you need kids, you know, you need permission. <laughs> it's like when you, but the, the thing that's great about getting older, I mean, really older, like our age, it's like, you just, all that shit just goes away and you realize how mm -hmm. stupid it is and you can just like whatever you like. And then you just have so much more things to enjoy, you know? Yeah. For me, it's jazz. Like jazz oh, yeah. has been like a huge thing for the last couple of years. Like, you know, like what, ki what know, kind of jazz? Like Miles Davis yeah, and yeah. like Charlie great. Parker and Mingus. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's even amazing. down to like, um, like Dave Brubeck, Dave Brubeck's kind of like, yeah. you know, for crackers or whatever it is like the the white <laughs> it's the awesome total, though. like yeah. the most white person version of jazz ever but it's amazing like take it's five great. if you can't enjoy the song take five yeah. i don't think you like music yeah. in general yeah. it's just a fantastic song um but yeah that's like a been a big one for me is i you know 20 years ago i would have been like i'm not listening to that right. for any reason but i still can't get on board with reggae or country music so <laughs> well you know i have to say I can well, i'm not a fan of ska punk either you know like that's rancid's my, about it for me right now, that's funny because that's what my kid has a, he's in a traditional ska band like traditional 60s traditional's a little different than yeah, like yeah. you know real big fish or whatever you know, totally, totally. yeah i would i think they would say the same for sure they get really you know if i ever if i ever say yeah my kid's in a ska band and he hears me he's like six traditional ska band there's a difference <laughs> But there's a, like a whole traditional ska scene. It's crazy. Sure? Like huge in Mexico. 
They go oh, into yeah. Mexico and it's like East LA uh, too. Yeah, even, yeah. There's a even. huge Hispanic community. It's totally into it. It's such a weird little thing. I would have never thought in a million years. But uh I mean I it's like I never got into reggae. I always but it's like all these music, these types of music, um I I still could appreciate them. And, and sure. there's definitely some reggae songs I love and uh uh I'm, I'm not sure if there's any about, i could say that i love okay okay what about okay what about this is a paul simon song so you might hate oh, it for that reason no, but i love paul simon okay man. uh mother and child reunion yeah that's a great song that's yeah. like got yeah, a I reggae vibe a, and it's got sure. the, it's got uh <clears throat> reggae players in it that's why it sounds reggae it's like people from uh i forget who's ba- bob marley's band or some some famous yeah. reggae band he had for that well then, then and in the 80s i can't it, one of the, one of my problems when I'm podcasting is that I can't bring up names oh, I know. very quickly. The record he did in the mid eighties that had, um, diamonds on the soles of her shoes. And, uh, you know, I can call you Betty. You can call me. Oh yeah. Uh, Graceland. Graceland. Mm-hmm. That, that's all like reggae players on it too. That record is in 1985. That's- it was the antithesis of everything I wanted to know about life. And, and I would have never spent any time listening to it. And as an adult, I listened to that record and I'm like, this is a piece of music genius. This record. It's so, it is like, it's such a great record. It's It's hard to, it's adult music. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and at the time, you know, it's, it was hard for me at the time it came out, although I bought it even when it came out, I think my dad had it. Um, it's 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 hard to a pre. It was hard to for me to fully get behind it because it was it was commercial. Mm-hmm. It was so commercial, and you'd see all like video with Chevy Chase in it, and and it's like at the time, you know, I was just like, you know, so anti that. <laughs> and but it's so that's almost becomes like a barrier to truly appreciating it for what it is. It's, yeah, it, it, that's a fantastic record. If it, nobody, yeah. if anybody listening has never listened to it, listen that's to great. it. It's, it's very got good. amazing <laughs> bass playing uh, on it. Yeah, the, the playing on it is insane. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like, you know, it's it one of the things that obviously I have a lot of people on this on my show uh, who are of a similar age and come from, you know, similar background artists and musicians and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's funny how how many times the same stories, um, you know, the same experiences get shared between me and a guest or somebody Mm -hmm. I'm talking to. (laughs) Uh, I I love it. (laughs) You know, it's like there's a lot of things that having a podcast will give you. And and my favorite one for sure is is new friends. You know, uh-huh. like yeah, yeah. everybody sure. I talk to, I consider to be my my friend afterwards. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, it's um, a trip. But the, the other one. one is just like that shared sense of community with people who are like you. You know, mm-hmm. like who can who share your common experience, whether it's you know, you know, having to do one kind of art uh, until you can start making enough money to do the kind of art you want to make or whether it's, you know, how you grew up with around music and stuff like that. It's, that's awesome. I love these conversations there. Oh yeah. Or They're like you my know, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> also the, the, uh, the, I don't know, the, the, the artist tra- trajectory of people that were into it since they were kids is always usually very similar, you know, absolutely like I was the art kid at school. That's how I got my identity and I just kept building on that. And there's, you know, the, 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 the magazines, the comics and stuff. It's like, it's very specific and, and similar. Yeah. I never got the comic, but I never got bit by the comic bug 
Um, Not even I, that heavy is, metal? Yeah, but that was more of a magazine for me than it was like a comic book. I, I, I think my, okay, here's what I would say. I, I have a Not very even the specific, horror comics? I have a very specific thing about <laughs> comic books. Um, and that is from a very young age, I, uh, I am very, just as a, who I am, and it's been inside of me my whole life, I'm very sensitive to um, feeling like I've been taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And so with comic books for me, it was always like, I love the cover. And then I get inside and they just, they didn't spend as much time on the inside as they did <laughs> on the outside. And I'd be like, it kind of felt, and I, this is just me personally. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love that people love anything that they love and yeah. comics included. Um, but I, I did it. If I was in the grocery store with my mom when I was seven years old and I was needing to get something for myself to feel that I need something Mm-hmm. And I would go over to the comic book rack. It was always like a horror comic. Like I never bought superhero comics. I didn't Sa- care yeah, about same any of the same superheroes I tried. when I was a little kid. I same. tried to get, I tried to get it. Like I bought plastic man one time and, and it's like, I tried getting into like Spider-Man. I couldn't do it. It was horror comics, but horror comics were just like, I'm there, man. Even yeah. even at DC did that one called Tales of the Zombie, I think, mm, which was I, I like think- there, and it was a zombie that I just thought was so cool. I'm, I, you know, so I was, it was all, it was always, I somehow I got the old EC comics from maybe my brother or something or my cousins, but I wound up with a bunch of those, and those were just like it for me, you know. And then and then yeah. uh, friend's dad had creepy and eerie that we weren't supposed to get into, but we got into <laughs> and they, that was just like, that, that changed everything for me. Those were the kind of comics I was into. Yeah. I, I, in the neighborhood I grew up in, I was like on the younger side. So I got a lot of hand-me-down stuff from older kids, mm-hmm. you know, games, toys, and GI Joe stuff, yeah. you know, good 12 inch GI Joe stuff, yeah, the, you know, board games, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. So I would get comic books every now and then. And it was like, always like sift through and be like, I'll keep the war comics because they were, you know, I I think maybe there was some part of me that was like, I don't care about a longer narrative about a character. Like Mm -hmm. I want to read what I'm reading and then it can be done. Mm, Um, Yeah. Right. But as a, as an adult, uh, there were, there were, there've been a few comic series over the years, but again, you know, they're kind of in that same vein. Like I liked evil Ernie. I think, I maybe collected evil oh, yeah. Ernie comics yeah, for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Um, and then like anything that Jeff Darrow illustrates, um, I will own and buy because the inside's just as good as the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Darrow's he's in my top ten illustrators for sure, you know. And like, I don't you know, even know that name. He did hard boiled. Um Jeff Darrow. Let's see. I'm looking him up. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the hard-boiled de- detective comic that he he did like this hard-boiled series, and it's like when I first moved to LA in the mid '90s, I went into oh yeah yeah La Luz, and there's like there's that that image of the of the cop that's been like hit with shrapnel from an exploding car, and he's got a license plate in his shin, and like <laughs> there was like a, a like a big sculpture of that in like Gold Apple or something. Oh wow! And I was like, oh holy shit, what's that? And then I asked, and they sent me to the spot and i like i i bought those books and like even now like I, i've recently bought them all back as hard cover editions and stuff and um 
so stuff like that I, I always really loved you know like yeah i really like when there's a, a, i mean one of my one of my influences obviously which was an influence on a lot of us from that time was pusshead and like it was mm-hmm. tons of there was always tons of detail in all of his work and so that satisfied that thing inside of me it was like i want all of the art to be yeah all like cover quality um right right and then i was never good at making comic art and so that was another reason why i was yeah. like man I, <laughs> <laughs> I really think that the big thing for me was uh the i couldn't get into the costumes i couldn't yeah. get into the the costumes seemed like like Superman and you know, Spider-Man was okay. I mean, I, I was Spider-Man for, for Halloween one time when I was a little kid, but, and I used to do, you know, I used to shoot people with webs <laughs> of you course. Know, when I was like five years old, <laughs> but um, it was like, I couldn't, I, it wasn't, it wasn't like a culty or supernatural enough for me. It's like, I wanted that supernatural element for some reason I would even at an early age, it's like, and so the, the, all the horror stuff was like, you know, I'm there. Well, you know, there, there are superhero people, there are horror people and there are sci-fi people. Sometimes they all meet, Mm -hmm. but some, but I think people are drawn to particular things. And like, I was, I'm, I was never really a super huge sci-fi person. Um, and I was never really a superhero person. Uh, I was definitely like when I was from the time I was, Boy, you know, once I kind of got over having my entire room decorated in hockey stuff or Star Wars stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and I, Star Wars is a thing that isn't it isn't part of my universe anymore. Like it was, same like, I, here, yeah. I grew out of it, and once I did, I was I grew same, all the way same out here, of it. same here. I was I was like way into it. Like every boy our sure. age was into it, but I I I never like went back like. I don't know why, because it's great. You know, it's great. I just never. I mean, I have I have some personal feelings about why I don't like it as an adult, <laughs> but um, there they go. That is a whole nother yeah. deep conversation. Yeah. Um, but I I was a horror movie kid. Like I I all the books I had were like about horror films. And yeah, you know, same here. It was like there was like, a lot of them back then too. A lot of sharks. I was super obsessed with sharks when I was yep. a little kid, but. By the time I was old enough to start doing my own thing in my own bedroom, it was like my, I was just buying Fangoria magazine and all of those horror magazines. And my walls were tiled with horror, horror stuff, mm-hmm. not in magazines. And then skateboarding happened. And then it was like an equal amount of horror stuff and skateboarding. And then punk rock happened. And then it was like, <laughs> and it was like punk flyers. And like my room, my walls were just, they were completely tiled with tiny, as tiny little cutouts of everything and when i moved out of my parents house they were like oh you're not done here until you've completely taken everything off of those walls and respackled <laughs> everything because there's 10 million staple holes in our uh, wall. Yeah. <laughs> i was like i used to Shit. throw darts on my wall i yeah i i, I my i don't know how my mom let us get away with this but i had one my bedroom door was covered with stickers like wacky pack wacky packages sure and any weird sticker i could find i mean it was covered and it's like i, I you know I, I i don't think i let my kids do that <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it was I had the a, 70s though so 
once I was in the, once I was in my teen years, like it was my windows, like every punk rock sticker I could get, I would cover my windows with so I could keep it dark in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, cause when you're, when you're 16 years old, that's all you want to do is be in the dark in your room. Yeah. Uh, and then I started, uh, you know, bottle caps will stick perfectly into popcorn ceilings. And so I started like painting like Ross style eyeballs on b beer bottle caps and like stick them in my ceiling. So the nice. ceiling was just a bunch <laughs> of bloodshot eyeball stuff. And then, uh, uh, one of the things <laughs> that my parent, one of the, one of the, the limits that I reached with my parents was, um, I had a friend, uh, at, at tower records. They used to do those very elaborate, um, displays for mm -hmm. DVD or uh, VHS launches, you know, and there was one for the movie aliens that, you know, part two. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they made like an actual, like three dimensional version, like paper mache version of the little girl newt. She had like, you know, the pink sweatshirt and the overalls and the whole right. nine yards. And, uh, I was leaving tower one day, uh, after buying, you know, Slayer records or something. And, um, and it was in the trash and I was like, well, that's coming with me. And so I pulled it out of the trash and I took it home and I stuck it in a, in a, like a, a doll sized chair that my sister had, you know, she was older than me. So she was done with it. And I ripped the head off of it and I stuck a skull life-size skull model I had <laughs> on top and then threw a wig on top of it. So it looked like I had this dead child in my room. Amazing. And my, <laughs> and my parents are like, Cause my dad would walk by my room and the door would be open. And he'd be like, Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. get him. And so he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is. And then, and then I made it worse by, uh, when nightmare on Elm street two came out on video, uh, I was working in a mall and the video store, like had a life-size cutout of Freddie. And I went in, I was like, Hey, I want that when you're, when you guys are done with it. And they're like, well, they sent us like four of them. Do you want one? And I was like, yeah. Wow. So they gave me one in box and like, oh I stuck God. that right behind her. So it would, it would get, it was like, there's a man in your room. <laughs> like a, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. That sounds like something I would have done. <laughs> My mom talks about that in the, in the documentary, how I used to just drag shit home all the time and be like, mm -hmm. why do you have this big piece of concrete? I'm going to make something out of it. <laughs> you know, just like junk. Dude, totally. I, I, I gotta say this. Uh, this is a technical thing, but your vote, your voice, it's like it's at the kind of the normal, good, loud level, and then it drops a little bit every once in a while. Huh. Then it kind of comes back, almost like it's a loose connection. But I don't know. It, it's That's weird. probably not something that. Um, you know, well, when I was editing audio the the other day last night, I was yeah, noticing I just did it. it's. It was <laughs> like you were a little low and jumped up. Oh, you just did it. Really? Yeah. Huh. Oh shit. I don't um, know. I don't know. Uh uh I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it like is it to the point where you can't hear me? No, no, no. Oh, no okay. No. It's one of those things that if you you know, if you equalize or whatever, it's probably fine. Yeah. Just, I'll just run wait. I'll run a filter over it. Um sorry. But, Sorry to interrupt yeah. the flow. <laughs> no, it's totally fine, man. It's totally <laughs> fine. Um, yeah. Like I have not seen that documentary that that guy did. Oh, um, really? Yeah. No, I, I I'll have is to send it you available one. streaming anywhere or. Yeah. It's, um, on Apple TV streaming. That's the only okay. place it is right now. Uh, but I think I have that. I can, I can send you a DVD if you have a DVD player still, but we're, we're we've, 
we're just talking. Mike just CC'd me on an email talking to the distributor, and we're going to try and get it on a couple other services. It uh, seems like it would services. be pretty easy to get it on Prime. Prime, they'll yeah, put anything yeah, on Prime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not not that's to say a, that yours isn't worth being on Prime, but I've seen They don't pay shit either. That's why the dis- distributor mm, didn't want to put it on Prime. So, mm-hmm. Of course um, they don't. <laughs> yeah, because they, re- they literally will put anything up there. But um, I don't, you know, I don't care at this point. I just want people to see it because it's it's good. It came out. I mean, it's, you'll, you'll see, it's really good. It's a really good movie is especially for something that was totally done independently of anything other than, you know, Mike and I and Kickstarter. It's like came out great. Really came out great. Well, People that's love good it. To I, haven't hear. Got, I haven't gotten a bad review from anybody yet. Cause some of the, some of them about people who deserve to have stellar, like the, like the tales of the rap Inc that, as much as I love Ed Roth and he's he's in my top five favorite artists ever. I know like, I've it, seen it was it. I'm not trying to good. place it. I'm trying it's to just, place it's, it. It's it was it was a valiant effort. And you could tell that whoever did it put every single amount of love they could into it with the money and resources they had. So you could see that it wanted to be, but it just suffered from it was almost like they just took his books and like made like a slideshow kind of right, film out yeah. of it. And it was like, it was narrated by John Goodman. So it's like, you know, like it just, I was, it was, I hope at some point they do some, he yeah. gets a proper documentary. Yeah. I really well, liked him. 2006. So that's old. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I hope that they, they, I really, I like the Robert Williams one. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I hope they do a better one of Robert Williams. And then at some point I hope that, Somebody spends ten million dollars and makes a Frank Frazetta one worthy of Frank Frazetta. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I, I'm just so. Uh, what's the painting with fire? Is that's another one that's like kind of just a victim of being old. Mm, you know, mm-hmm, it's like before mm-hmm. all the good equipment was cheap, and uh, you know, <clears throat> I still like it. I mean, I watch it and I enjoy yeah. it, but I know what you're saying as far as like structure there's like a you know there's really great documentaries that just like take you through a journey and um uh that one i I think is maybe a little more like some of the ones that the ones you're describing are maybe more like they just like scene 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 they're not Mm. totally like integrated they're you know it's just like random shit put together i mean i think they need to make a biopic about frank frazetta (laughs) oh (laughs) totally man i mean uh they did one about pekchinski you know Bekshinsky? Yeah. Did they Did do it? a biopic of his? It's not technically. It's about his family. It's just about oh, his wow. family. It's about him as an artist. It's not like his rise to fame, but it's it's a Polish film. It's really good because his son, you know, was had uh, mental illness and mm. killed himself, and then his wife had cancer, and it, and and just it's it's more about the family than it is about him. It's really unusual, but it's great. Oh, I want. I want to see that. You got <laughs> to see, see, see it. You got to see it. It's like, uh, I don't remember how well, I he's thought. like in your list of favorites. I, I believe. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah His yeah, work's yeah. amazing. Like the sense of scale he gets is like, I don't think yeah. there's anybody else that I've ever seen where you're looking at it and then you notice some detail and you're like, Oh my God, that thing's <laughs> as big as a skyscraper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a million things to love about him too. Just the, the quality. Mm. It's like all every, you know, he did so many 
masterpieces you know usually artists mm -hmm. have like a few masterpieces and then they have great work but then they have these standout ones and it's like his are most of them are masterpieces i think and then he's got a couple of weird ones but it's so much so so prolific and and just so unique so unique and amazing yeah i mean for me like if if i'm thinking about like great um like the greatest american painters um i i think you know, Norman Rockwell and, and Frank Frazetta are like, for me, they, as far as painters that America has turned out, I, yeah. I don't know that there's too many people that are better than that, than those two yeah. guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. there's fancy pants painters and there's, you know, portrait painters and there's, you know, pop artists and all these other things. But when you sit down and look at a Frank Frazetta painting or a, or a, a Norman Rockwell painting, yeah. um, like no, no other artist that I've, painter that i've ever seen in the from the american landscape will suck you in like that you know yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of those guys though like uh uh wyeth it's like people that that influenced frizzetta oh, yeah. that, that are also amazing and uh you know some of those well your stepdad wasn't your stepdad one of those guys uh he was a painter yeah he was i mean he was but like he did uh, stuff kind of wyeth and vallejo like ish right yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He did. Uh, uh, no, I've, I've Wyeth was why? Am I getting Wyeth? And... I'm thinking of. I'm. I am confusing you. Wyeth did those like um, figurative landscapes where it would be like a, a farm and a meadow with a girl sitting in it. I was thinking of Whalen. Sorry, Whalen. Right. Okay. Michael okay. Yeah. I okay. <laughs> I like Michael Whalen, but he, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, I was thinking like uh, Howard Pyle, those those old and and uh, NC Wyeth, I think. Yeah, um, Wyeth. Yeah. Yeah. No, my His my work's amazing, of course. But oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just when you look at it, there's so many amazing painters. It's really hard to, you know. Yeah. But but Frazetta for sure, and and Norman Rockwell, absolutely a cut above. I mean, amazing, amazing well, shit. Two of my favorites. One of the things that Frazetta was really good at, and it's a thing that you are also very good at. Um, and it's a thing that I admire about painters that I don't, I've never been able to really grasp how to do really well is like, if you look at a Frank Rosetta painting, like death dealer, and that yeah, horse is standing favorite. on a pile of rocks. But when you look at the pile of rocks, it's, it's just a bunch of fucking scribbles. <laughs> I know, and it's, it's like, how, how do you, like, I, you do that in your paintings. I try uh, to do it. And I, sometimes and, I do it. And I, sometimes I'm successful. I, you know, it's, it, it's easy to, it's easier to kind of like, you know, paint everything until it looks really good, you know, and tight. And it's like, I don't want to do that. And sometimes I'm able to do it. Sometimes I'm not, but he was like the master. Like you see the, underpainting showing through and like a rough yeah. sketch it's like i yeah. love that and then you have the <laughs> main part of the death dealer that's just like super polished it's so amazing. amazing it is a that is a skill that is yeah. a skill that is just amazing your alarm went off do you have to take no, off no no yeah that was something i already did oh, okay so, yeah, um <laughs> yeah like uh, yeah my my mentor that i met in the video game industry who he got out to be a full-time illustrator painter uh is a guy named james ryman and he does like he does like james ryman i know that name yeah you've seen his work for sure <laughs> yeah uh, he does a lot of stuff nowadays for like you know magic the gathering and warhammer and stuff like that but his 
he oh yeah he's great yeah his he's like i was insanely fortunate to work under him for a number of years and any skill i have as an artist um was born of things i learned from being around him because i would work on paintings and take them to work and he and he would help me you know he'd Uh, be like okay he would like this is what you could have done or whatever and you know he he's one of those guys who's like you would sit there and watch him and he was like an a plus animator and he mm-hmm. was like an A plus 3D modeler. Yeah. And he was an A plus oil painter. And one, of those, an A plus one of those freaks. <laughs> yeah. One he was freaks. totally Genius that guy. Um, and just, you know, super nice guy. His his wife babysat my kids and stuff. Like oh, our, cool. fa- our, fr- our families were friends. But he's back in England now. And he just, he just does his thing. But um, yeah, like him, like... Like he gifted me a couple books, uh, this massive Norman Rockwell book. It's like that big one that weighs mm-hmm. like fucking 30 pounds. Yeah, and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can't, <laughs> it doesn't fit in any box. It doesn't fit on any bookshelf, but I'm, I'm never getting rid of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but you know, like things like he would, he would like, he'd be like, he'd have a Frazetta book and be like, oh yeah, I, I, I have an extra one of these. Like you can have this. And he'd like, show me like, see these things, like notice these things. And it was always for me, like that ability to detail the area where you want the viewer to look, but still right. have the non-detailed parts look right. I know. You know I know. Such an yeah, amazing yeah. skill. And the, the other thing is they make it, especially particularly for Zeta and the underpainting kind of showing through. It's like the, the good, the good painters, they make it look like they're just did it, mm-hmm. you know, carelessly. Yeah. I do this. Sometimes I'll make a painting. That's a masterpiece, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like reading a book in one hand, they make it just look like they make it look like you can do it too. There's so that's like with anything like uh great musicians too. Mm-hmm. So think about like, Getty Lee, I'm such a, a huge Getty Lee fan of his bass playing. It's like he makes it look like I could do that. And then I go and I get on a bass and I can't do it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, I think, the, you know, the, the thing about Rush, I think it universal is people either like his voice or they don't. And that's right. always like if that's you took him out of every point. song, anybody who likes rock music would be like, yes, this is amazing. And then either you like, like my wife does not like Rush because she doesn't like Getty Lee, but mm-hmm. I love. Like I'm fine with the way he sings and it doesn't bother me. So right, like right. I'm cool with Rush, but like that has yeah. always kind of been the thing with Rush, I think. And I think it, you know, there's other bands that are like that too, where it's yeah. like you either one of the things going back a little bit to Dead Kennedys is like I can't listen to him anymore because of Jell's voice. It's like when it was like the greatest thing ever when I was a kid, like now I'm like, mm, no, nah, I can't, I can't do it very really? often. Yeah, I can't <laughs> do it very often. Um you know, maybe some of still the early stuff, but like as things went on and he sang a little bit more, it it, it, it kind of lost me a little bit. What what era are you talking about? Like anything after, like from "Give Us Liberty" or or "Give Us Convenience" or "Give Us Death," or I think that was that record. Or, that that was like a b-sides compilation are you talking about um, time for democracy yeah maybe? probably yeah the one yeah 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 yeah. and then anything he's kind of done since like the stuff he did what was it with was did he did stuff with no means no yeah he did a yeah. great album with <laughs> yeah i love that album yeah like i don't know there's something about his voice just didn't like it doesn't it didn't it doesn't stick with me um yeah and I never, I never, I never, uh, I never really had a problem with. It. I always thought his voice was. I mean, when I wasn't into punk, I thought it sounded like, you know. I used to think when I was younger, I'd heard before I got into punk, 
I would hear bits of pieces of Dead Kennedys here and there because they had, you know, Holiday in Cambodia and stuff that was like on K-Rock. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking he sounded like one of those old fashioned crooner guys from like the 40s. They, they used to do that, that really, you know, heavy on the vibrato, like overdoing yeah. it, you know, and it's like, <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Maybe why aesthetic, aesthetically, it might be kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I actually... It's funny because, you know, you think of these punk punk musicians as like maybe not super technically skilled, but I got to see him. Uh, I got to meet him and hang out with him a few times. I, I, met, I met him and hung out with him once, too. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I ended Another. up in a van with him like yeah. on a kind of semi long van trip, like in the back of the VW van with him. He was oh, an wow. interesting guy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but he... Uh, yeah, he's very interesting. He, uh, he, um, I got to see them practice with the Melvins uh, oh. and bring my son, which was cool, the musician. And, um, uh, and it, he's, I was there with him singing, and he would like, in breaks, he was singing some of the lyrics to the band. And his voice is like, he fucking knows how to sing. Like he can project. It was just like totally the diaphragm, totally like a professional singer. I was like, damn. You know, you think Jello's this punk rocker who didn't have any formal training, but he was, mm-hmm. his voice sounded so powerful that it was like, oh, this, he, he's singing properly like a, like Whitney Houston or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think so the he, only thing I loved that he did after DK was the large stuff he did with um, mm. Ministry. God, those records oh, are yeah. fucking awesome. I, <laughs> I particularly like one. There's one that I own that I listen to a lot, which is uh, Last Temptation of Reed. Mm-hmm. It's that mm-hmm. one Lard album that's got Pineapple Face and Fork Boy, the Fork one that was Boy. in, yeah, Natural Born Killers. That's the one. That album is just so good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the the other singer that that I can't do a lot of time with anymore is fucking King Diamond. Oh, I never got, <laughs> I never got it, King Diamond. But, but it's funny because my when I was a kid, but now I punk, to it, I'm like, okay, all right. My <laughs> punk friends in high school were into King Diamond. Well, yeah, That's Merciful like the, Fate was yeah. another one of those. <laughs> approved bands yeah right and then they, the, the list just kept growing until we got you know speed metal and right. metal crossover uh, yeah uh, which was the time i was like in a kind of crossover band when i was in in the 80s when i was in high school and um and like literally half the band were like the guitar players and the drummer were like heavy metal guys and me and the bass player were like from the skate punk scene. And uh, one of the guitar players rode that line. You know, he was the guy who like had Slayer records before anybody right. had ever heard of Slayer. You know, like we went over to his house and like somebody was like, oh, you guys are starting a band. You should talk to my friend Jeff. And we went over to his house. Um, shout out Jeff Langhans. Um, and he was like, and it was like, he had like, you know, like Motorhead records and he had, mm-hmm. you know, records from like, uh, Raven and like all these, like, mm-hmm. you know, Alcatraz and, you know, and then he had like adolescence records and, mm-hmm. you know, black flag records. And he was like, this like total Hesher dude who also liked, you know, like hardcore punk. And, uh, and we were like, yeah, you should be in our band. And then we, we just like, he's like, Oh, the kid who lives across the streets, like a metal guy, he plays guitar. You should get him. And then we just put this band together. And it was like, you know, it was like the perfect timing thing of like, 
when a lot of that was happening. You know? Right. It was like, you, what was you the know, name of the band? No Warning. No Warning. Yeah. And, you know, we got to the point where it was like, we were just about to like start looking like we we were talking to record labels and there was going to be touring going on and that like once we were kind of all out of like high school the summer after high school was like things started get, going places and then i had a kid it was over i left yeah <laughs> i had to go like be a dad you know yeah right yeah that'll do it yeah and then it. you know a label put out an anthology of all of our stuff <coughs> that we'd released and um oh that's cool like oh god i guess that was like in 2000 and then uh yeah. And then I didn't do music. I didn't, I didn't play in bands or do anything other than art for bands until 2008 or nine when I got divorced and I got divorced in 2007. And then, um, you know, I, my kids were old enough where I could have some kind of life of my own. And my friends were like, we want all my death metal and grindcore friends are like, you want to start like a crusty DB band. You should sing. You're like the old guy who used to be in a hardcore band. I was like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) And then then I got to like, you know, travel around the country and the world, you know, really putting out records and doing everything. I, I, what band is this? What, what, what's the name of this band? Um, they're still, they're still going with the singer that replaced me. Um, they're called DIS. Uh, the longer name is destroyed in seconds. Hmm. Um, but like I was on the first, I was in the original lineup. Wow, um, that's cool. It was like Leon Del Muerte from Exhumed and Impaled and a bunch of <laughs> other bands, Intronaut. Um, you know, members from uh, Phobia, Grindcore Band, uh, Eat the Living, Death Metal Band. Like, you know, it was like a side project that turned into a full-time project for everybody. Right. But it's wow. cool. Like, you know, we did U.S. tour, we did European tour, festivals Amazing. and stuff. It was, it was super, super fun. I was just too old to, to, to manage touring like it was just this is yeah like this is uh, when from like age i think 17 to i don't know 27 28 i was trying to make it in bands like seriously that's what i wanted to do and um you know uh we had a really good band called skin horse in san pedro oh, that i know skin old. horse really <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> how do you know yeah, skin yeah. horse nobody knows skin horse you know i was, we in, a- I was in the in los angeles in the mid 90s yeah we used to play the anti-club all, all the time and um uh uh we were we were on a compilation uh brain cookies uh, on kxlu it was a radio show on kxlu and so we did get on on, on that um but Anyway, uh, and then that band fell apart and then I started another band and, and we, that band got really good too. And, and, um, and then it broke up. So it was like 10 years and, and I, I was like, so disheartening. I was like, I'm quitting, man. I'm fucked this shit. I'm going to do, I'm going to get into computers animation. I started getting really into 3d animation and stuff. As yeah, like an, that was as my a, as core a, job when I was in the games industry. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, I got way into it. I was so into it. And um, it was so hard to quit that, to leave music. And um, but but like looking at it now, I'm so glad I didn't make it. Because <laughs> aside from the fact that the music industry took a huge dump and just got leveled, it's even if it even I would be I'm like the last person that would want to tour i hate traveling <laughs> you know it's like i don't want to go anywhere <laughs> this goes back to the initial conversation yeah we were having about not wanting <laughs> totally. to go anywhere do anything 
So it's like, I couldn't have done that, man. No way. I'm such a homebody. No way. So, so it's one of those things where you think you know what you want, or you think you know what you should be doing, but you don't really know what you should be doing. You, you, uh, especially when you have, like you said, like when you have a lot of interests, it's hard to know what to focus on. Well, when you were doing 3d, 3d animation stuff, was that, did you do a lot of stuff for tool with that? Like you worked with tool with on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm aware. Yeah. I started doing 3d animation because, uh, Back in 90, maybe early, early, mid, early 90s, 93, 94, um, my, the place I was working, my boss hired this 3D guy because we were going to try and get, because Jurassic Park came out and we were going to try and, you know, move with the times. And so he set up this computer department and this guy had, was this Lightwave guy. And so I learned Mm. Lightwave. (laughs) <laughs> that was my software that you know everyone makes fun of lightweight now but it's like <laughs> it, it was you know it had a great modeler i i think it's an awesome program so i did um that ran on sgi machine right uh no this was they were it was an amiga it was from oh, the video right. toaster originally and it was on the amiga <laughs> right. and then it would and then yeah. it would be on and then we it was on like windows nt you ran it on windows nt <laughs> you remember, remember. these, these oh, yeah, all these yeah 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 because yeah. I, I for some reason i was remembering i was thinking that lightwave was somehow connected to um oh and now i can't come up with the word it was a, one of the first pieces i used on an sgi it was uh oh it wasn't lightwave it was uh I can't remember. Anyway, these uh, are these hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollar computers, the SGI computers, right? Yeah, they were super. They were super expensive. Uh, and then, and then it was like I went over to you know 3D Studio Max, and then Maya, right. and then when I left the industry, it was like every the last project, the last couple projects were done on Maya, so it was kind of a Maya, Maya was- character animator for a long time. Wow, that's cool. Well, what what kind of? Well, let me finish the the, the yeah, story. Yeah, sorry, first. I interrupted. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm curious with the what you were doing because I'm I'm really interested in that stuff. But um, I started it because it was like oh, I could make short movies, like my own movies, because I was always interested in making movies. Even when I was a kid, I was making mm-hmm. Super Eight films, and so I was like, oh, I could make these little movies. So I did these looping, weird, looping, creepy animations, and then. Adam, my friend, uh, the guitar player for Tool, saw one of them. He's like, oh, can we use that in a, for a Tool show? And I was like, sure. So I, I think they still use it. I mean, I, I know I don't know if they use it regularly, but it comes out once in a while. But um, so then he, you know, hired me to do some more <laughs> stuff. And I did a bunch of other animations for them and some T-shirt stuff, like still digital stuff. But um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, what, what did, what did you, what, what did you work on? What were you doing? I mean, none of the games I ever worked on amounted to much of anything. Uh, like I don't, I don't think I've worked on too many games that people would even really know. Uh, Um, I did some stuff for N64 that did okay. Like we did a version remember that game Robotron. Yeah. From the arcades. We did like a Robotron. Robotron 64 for the N64. I worked on that. Um, what there, kind of, that how that, would that be 3D animation? <laughs> what did they did a, a 3D version of Robotron? Because that was like little, it was like Pong basically. With well, you like, were in a room with a bunch of like robots, right? And you had to like yeah. shoot all the robots to get yeah, out of the room. Yeah, but they were just so. like little 
lines in the, yeah, <laughs> in the wow. original arcade version, remember? The thing like... that was cool about Rotron 64 is the N64 controller, um, if you remember, had a little joystick. You could use both controllers and control your the shooting with one controller and your movement with the other. So you could like run around. Right, right. It right. was like super high paced, intense. And like they dump you in yeah. an arena and they dump a bunch of robots in there. And it was like, it was cool. It was a good game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then you know, I worked on a like a uh, like a galactic bowling game called Milo's Astrolanes for the N sixty four, which I did all the character animation for. Oh wow! Um, like Blues Brothers two thousand, <laughs> you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, Her- the Legendary Adventures of Hercules game, you wow. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and That's then, cool. Uh, I mean, that must have been a kind of a cool job i thought about getting i, I, into... I did i never liked game it, the game industry for it was exactly um kind of i think a lot of the issues you had with the film industry well, that's where a, it was like yeah. it wasn't what i wanted to be doing and it was something that because I, I went to animation school briefly mm. um and i so i had those skills and when i i would it's been discussed on the show before but uh my dad was a repo man and the company family business was repossession so my first wow. real job was a repo man oh my and god <laughs> I, yeah and i kind of knew that i didn't want to do that forever and so i started that's like so i'd be way too scared to do that yeah it, it was it wasn't great <laughs> it, it's, it wasn't great i'm way too uh, chicken <laughs> um well it's one of those jobs where 99 percent of the time it's the easiest job you could right. ever do and then the one percent of the time it isn't yeah you, when the guy comes die. out with a sawed off shotgun yeah, like, and, you, you might die in one percent of the time, of the time. <laughs> which makes it an interesting night every night yeah. um, <laughs> But like, I knew I had some art skills cause like, you know, my, my dad was like a pinstriper in oh, the sixties cool. and my mom was a, an artist in, you know, kind of in the crafting, uh, world. Uh-huh. Uh, but she actually ended up learning how to paint properly. And so she would properly paint her crafting oh. projects. She's an amazing painter. My mom is super fucking rad. Um, cool. so I grew up in a family with artists. My uncle was a costume designer. He did stuff for David Bowie and he did stuff, wow. all kinds of stuff. Like I came That's from cool. a very, very creative family. I came yeah. from a very diverse family, to be honest. It was, mm. we had a little bit of everything, you know, we mm-hmm. had minorities and we had, you know, different genders and we had different identities and we had different, you know, like everything from like conservative Republicans all the way down to actual hippies. And so (laughs) the the thing that I learned about life is that you can love people who aren't necessarily just like you, like, and that was what our family was. And so I'm extremely fortunate in that way. It's reflected Um, in what you do too. It's like, you're super diverse in in, in the kind of work you do. Seriously. It's like, you do so much, so many different things. You know? I do. I do. It's funny. And partly to keep me interested. But um, yeah. so, yeah, I just kind of knew that I could take the art skills I had and video games were, you know, they were still, you know, pixel sprites and stuff. And like, you know, in the early 90s, right. I hadn't gone into 3D yet. And I was like, well, that's not that different than what I know how to do. And so I just right. started applying and I got a job and worked my way up and, uh, you know, the last game I worked on was a game called Freaky Creatures, and it was actually a really good game that had like a really high budget. And it was right at the time when online gaming was happening. So it was like 2009. And so World of Warcraft was was like really big. And so it was a turn-based fighting game, um, but it, it came with 
it came with an action figure. So you'd go to the store, you'd buy an action oh, that's figure cool. and then you'd get that character in game and you could like get cards. So it had a card element mm-hmm. where you get like add on parts and weapons. And then you'd go into a lobby, you'd match up with somebody, you'd go and you'd do turn-based combat. And, you know, it was really good. And the production values were fantastic and it had a great budget and it was going to be featured. Like there were plushies being made, like the whole nine yards. And, uh, and like the, it, it released the week of the major economic meltdown and like, you know, parents didn't have money for subscription based stuff and it just never went anywhere, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, That sucks. So yeah, it was a bunch of that. The most successful game I ever worked on was NHRA drag racing which sold primarily out of Walmart and like sold like hotcakes, <laughs> which wow. is fine. Cause I'm a drag racing guy. So it was fine for me, but all the British like rally car guys are like, this isn't fun, mate. You go in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, I actually set up a small business. I was trying, going to try and do like commercial work, digital, mostly for like, like effects kind of stuff uh-huh. really for the film industry. And it just never took off and it was, you know, and it, I, I kind of came to the point where it's like, this is just like makeup effects. This is, <laughs> it's like just a different way of the same pro having the same problem in a way, you know? So that, that's when I ended up getting into painting after, after that, after that was like, did the music thing, did the 3d thing, did the makeup effects thing. And I was still not, satisfied and then i got into fine art and then i was like ah this is this is what i need to be doing and then i ended up fucking being like this business guy (laughs) you know selling selling stuff in my in my web store but i I, it's still better it's the best i love it i'm not complaining at all with the pandemic stuff do you have like what's going on with shows are you is that starting to come back are you working on pieces that you'll be able to do a show when things open back up or yeah i mean they're we've hardly talked about your painting stuff Well, I mean, they've still been doing shows that just people haven't been showing up. They're like, you know, they do virtual shows. They do it, you know, like limited crowds and stuff. But um, I curated a show actually during right in the middle of it. And I didn't go to it because <laughs> like I, I've been staying in. What um, gallery was it at? At Copro Gallery. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dark yeah, Art yeah, Society yeah. group shows. Second mm-hmm. one, um, I think it was. But um, uh but, uh, you know, my, my income, it just, I've never been able to support myself with just gallery shows. So the fact that I haven't been, it's like, you know, I wanted to, I wanted time off from gallery shows. Cause every year I was, I've been doing a solo show at least one, sometimes two back in the day, two solo shows a year. Wow. Um, that's a lot of paintings. <laughs> it's insane. I was killing myself. And so, this last year I took off of, of doing solo shows and, um, and uh, was it the year before? Maybe not. Maybe it's just this last year. Cause it's like, they don't bring me that much money anyway is comparatively to, to what I need to make. It's like a, it's like a small piece of this diverse puzzle. It's like print sales conventions, which got knocked out, which is fine also. Cause I was getting burnt out on those. So I've just been focusing on um, selling you know, prints yeah, selling prints, commissions that I, I owe a lot of commissions. I'm working on this book. I'm trying to get finished. Mm. So I've just been trying to catch up <laughs> over the pandemic, which 
you know, um, <laughs> the dreaded book project. Oh my god, that I need to do at some point. <laughs> the, Man, the guest who's on whose episode comes out tomorrow on my show, um, Jermaine Rogers, and I had a good long conversation about the the, the book. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I have I have a an art book from like twenty twelve or something. It, really good it's a great i'm so super satisfied with it i wasn't involved in it though it was published <laughs> this one was like you know mythologizing my world that i paint mm. and then figuring out cross references of characters and territories they live in and it's like oh wow that sounds really so, cool <laughs> it's cool it's gonna be amazing it's just take you know it's four years late i was like we did it in uh we did the kickstarter in oh god i don't know it's basically i was like estimated delivery you know, six months from now, because I just didn't know what the <laughs> fuck I was doing. And it's like four years later. I'm like, God, <sighs> the nightmare I can't get out of. But it's, you know, it's 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 coming along. It really is almost done. I mean, we've got like, you know, I just saw a mock up that has like 180 pages. So, I mean, it's wow. yeah, it's going to be cool. Is it's it self-published really... or is there, is there a publisher? Yeah, no, no, it's I'm publishing it. <laughs> wow. Did you who published your other your last book? Uh, Bainart, Bainart, um, books, they, they're, they're a gallery in Australia, but they, they started as a book publisher and they did, uh, oh, I forget the names of the books, metamorphosis. They did a series of like books of different, like kind of dark, weird artists. Um, and I was in one of those, or I was in a couple of those maybe. And then they did Laurie Lipton's book and they did my book and then they went out of business. So <laughs> I kind of felt bad, like maybe maybe my book didn't sell well enough to keep it afloat. But so I bought the rest of the books from them. So I sell them now. That's awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, dude, this has been a super killer conversation. We've been going yeah. for like a long time. Like um, what people after it's edited, what people won't understand is that me and Chet have been talking for two hours. <laughs> Okay. The episode won't I be didn't two even, hours. I wasn't um, even paying attention to the clock. So yeah, that's yeah, good. like I'm looking All good at conversations. We're at like two track of time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was super which is, fun. Yeah, which is awesome. So um, so for my listeners, uh Chet will be putting out this episode on his show on his podcast and I will be putting it out on mine. So there's like a cross promotional. Um, yes. so th it's, we're, we're both getting an episode out of this discussion. Um, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, this has been fun talking to you, man. Like we talk online sometimes and you know, I've been a fan of your art forever. So yeah, we've been to have you forever, it seems now like. to be a friend in, you know, like a friend yeah. is I, I love that shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, it's I'm funny because you know, you, you have the, uh, I know you from, you know, talking on, on Facebook basically, but for a kind of a long time. And then that picture you have, which is like one of my favorite memes of all time with that kid, like annoyed kid. So it's like, I, every time I see, you know, that's you to me, that kid, it's, it's fucking hilarious. I'm not kidding you. My mom asked me, she's like, is that a picture of you as a kid that I don't remember? That's so how funny. much people associate the picture of that kid with me. Um, is that my mom didn't even, my mom didn't know. I'm like, mom, she's wearing a, he's wearing a SpongeBob shirt. I was 35 years old when SpongeBob came out. 
Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, which is why it ended up having to be the logo for my show, right? Yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> so anyway, it was cool to, you know, see see your real face and get to know you. And, and it's always uh, it's always great when when you just click with the person and yeah, uh, man, know, this has and, been super fun and I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. All right, man. Cool. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks.